Well, good morning and welcome once again. And uh, we're going to look at a, a few things today. And, you know, one thing that we all share in common as being, being human, that whether whatever our, our race, our gender, our social status, our financial status, that we are going to encounter problems. And I seen a, a little antidote that someone had put out the other day, and a lot of times I don't pay too much attention to those. They can oftentimes be a little bit misleading or, or uh, you know, put you in the wrong direction. But this one, I think, had some merit to it. And it said that happiness is not a lack of problems, but is to be able to deal with the problems when they occur. And why that holds so much merit is, is because we are always going to have problems. We live in a world of sin. We are sinful people. We are underneath the influence of the curse from the fall of man. We are underneath the influence of Satan and his demonic forces. And this is all because of where we live, being here, being human. And through all of these things, problems are going to occur. And many times we get a, a false sense of hope because that we see that people that are, are doing certain things or, or acting a certain way, and that's if we think if we model ourselves after them, that we can be in the same type of situation. And of course, as Christians, we are supposed to be the example. We are supposed to, to lead. We are supposed to show people what it's like to be a Christian and what that entails. But many times, we get that wrong, and we get it wrong in general because we only show people what we want to see. And we have big influencers that are on the television, that have the mega churches, and they, they stand up with their messages of hope. And they tell you these things that all you have to do is to follow this simple formula, do these few things, and you can be just like me. That you can have all that I possess, that you can do all these things and overcome all these things. And we hear about all of the, the good stuff, but we never hear about the struggles. They paint a, a good picture of what it could be like, and they make it sound really, really simple. And it plays on our human emotions. People get scammed out of millions of dollars every single year. And if you, you read about how it happens, 
you wonder, how is it that that could take place? That how could someone be so foolish, so gullible? Because we are, are longing for something. We are wanting to have relief from the pressures that the world puts on us. And we want it so bad that we have just the slightest glimmer of hope that we think that we can change our whole situation. That's why the, the lottery is so popular, that we can throw down a few dollars and it gives us that momentary hope as we're, we're scratching off or waiting for the numbers to pop up on the television that my whole life could be changed. And in reality, the things that we think are going to change and make things better are not really. They're not going to prevent problems. They're just going to adjust them. We're just going to change out one set of problems and add another. We can't alleviate problems from our lives. But we get this idea, if we just accept Jesus, if we just join the church, if we just do these things that it's going to change everything. And it is. But the change is not what we see. It's very much like the people during Jesus' time when they're expecting him to come right then to set up his kingdom and change the situation they're in. But see, they were mistaken. They were looking at such a small picture and trying to deal with just the problems that was influencing them. Jesus wasn't fixing just their problems. He was fixing the world's problems. He was fixing mankind's problems. It was on a much, much larger scale. But we get zeroed in on what's right in front of us. And that's why they got so irritated because he wasn't fixing what was needed right then. He wasn't taking care of their feelings. And many times we get the feeling that God is not listening, that he's not doing anything for us. And if we look at Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not into thy own understanding. And verse 6, In all ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy past. And I may have mentioned this before, but it just uh, it came on the radio when I started up the vehicle this morning. It's a song, and it says, I only talk to God when I need a favor. And how many of us are in that situation where we're not acknowledging him in all ways, but we're only seeking him out of desperation. Trust the Lord with all thy heart. That can be complicated for, for many of us because the world is telling us so many different things. 
And God has a much broader, complex understanding. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows each and every detail. Nothing is a surprise to him. God is always on the offense. He's ready for things before it happens. Where us as humans, we are constantly being reactive. We face a challenge. We have to deal with the challenge. We face a new challenge. We have to face that new challenge. And we're constantly using our understanding, what we know from what people have told us, what we've learned through our own experiences, to try to, to fill in the blanks. And we're trying to deal with the future. You, know, you think about that. If we get some kind of future problem that's, that's facing us, you know, we have a, a medical condition pop up, and we're going to have to go and run some tests, and we have to figure out what it is, what's our treatment option is. If we have a, a, a financial problem and there's a, a big burden that's coming up, we're going to have to deal with. If you're under a, yeah, attack, you know, you're facing uh, a lawsuit, you're facing something like that, something in the future, what do we do? We look at the, the worst case scenarios. How can this turn out? What is the, the worst thing that can happen to me? And many times we are far off the scale. That we've planned for these big devastating things and it's really nothing at all. And see, God already knows how it's going to turn out. He knows that you can be healed. He knows the situation, how to get you out of it. He knows how to turn it around. He even knows how to use it for your good, to take this negative thing and be able to make it better. Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope marketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our own hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know, there's a bunch of verses where God talks about having to wait, wait, wait. And see, so, you know, we're from. We're from the, the world that's fast-paced. We want things instant, high speed. We want instant access. We want fast food. We want everything to be as quickly as we can get it. When they advertise medication, for your, for your heartburn, for your headache. What's the selling point there? Fast acting. 
Because we want to take our discomfort and we want to get rid of it just as quickly as possible. And we take the same kind of steps when it comes to God. We want him to do things now. We expect to pray at night. We're supposed to wake up and everything's supposed to be different. And that's not saying that God can't do it that way. He can. He's God. But again, we have to rely on his understanding and realize that he knows what the proper timeline is. Everything he does has purpose. God is never late. God is always on time. Isaiah 30 and 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he shall be gracious unto you. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. The Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are those that wait for him. This can be a, a challenge. Especially when the, the pressures pile up. It's something that each and every individual struggles with. Because these human emotions are so strong. And we want release from that pressure. We want release from that feelings. We want action. And it can be very frustrating sometimes when we are, are waiting on God because we don't understand what he's doing. And sometimes when we ask, just show me what your, your plan is, and he's silent because whatever the reason is, we're not ready for it yet. You know, he's dealing with the enemy too. And he can't let his plans be made known because the enemy's going to try to do everything they can to stop it. Even Jesus himself doesn't know the day or time that he's going to be sent back. Everything has purpose. We struggle with that because it can seem like that God is not there for us. Because we're asking for all these things and we're dealing with all these things and they tend to keep piling up. You know, sometimes I think I uh, could have a little bit of special treatment and say, here I am, I'm, I'm up here and I'm, I'm presenting your word to the masses and, and I'm trying to be that example. And sometimes it seems like the harder that we work at doing these things, that the harder life becomes. And that's because there is an enemy out there that wants you to stop you from doing those things. He wants you to throw your hands up and say, God has forsaken me. He wants you to break down, to give up. But God 
wants you to maintain faith. What were some of the things the Word said? Faith, experience. How many things have you gone through in life and then you went through it and time has passed and then you're faced with a similar situation? Or perhaps there's someone else that you come across that's going through a situation that you've already been through and you're able to steer them through that situation. You're able to share your experience and let them know that everything's going to be okay. That God sees you through it and that He will do the same for them. We have special needs children. And it's real easy to connect with the parents that share in the same types of situations because we go through similar things. And that you can be a support system. And uh, we came across a lady early on and she gave us some valuable information of how we could get certain things set up and get certain things that we, we need. And that was a great help in our lives. And we've been able to pass that information on to others as well. And they've been able to get the same type of resources and the same kind of help. But if you just gave up and threw your hands up and became frustrated, it would all end there. I know cancer survivors that has been inspiration to others going through the same thing. Showing that it can be defeated. That you can come through and be on the other side. But to do that, you can't give up. Many times we look at our lives and we, we complain about all the different things that we have going on. And I've had a lot of ordeals. The pressure mounts up. And sometimes as people share their problems, I could just think to myself that you really don't have problems. You don't have a, a grasp because many times the things that we do are, are self-induced. That you wake up in a, a sense of, of normalcy, that you don't have any real, real issues that's detrimental. Your finances are in order. Your health is in order. You're the basic white picket fence family with your 2.5 and everything that you, you need. But yet you complain about your schedule and your job and you have, you have to run around and, and the errands you have to do. 
But if you just took a moment to look and see how much of this stuff, how much of this pressure are you putting upon yourselves? How much of it is self-induced? Maybe we could cut back on a few extracurricular activities. Maybe we could better prioritize our time. If we don't like our job, we can change it. Many things in our lives we can evaluate and we can change. But it's easier to complain. It's easier to, to blame God. And before you do that, before you, you give up, you throw your hands up, and you shake your fist at him, are you doing your part? Are you putting the work in? Are you connecting with him? Are you devoting your entire heart to God? Is he intermingled with your life? Now we talk about when we accept Jesus. I'm a visual person, so let me paint a, a visual picture for you with my words. We accept Jesus. We take him on the inside. And I can imagine what that looked like. They wanted to, to make a movie. And we're going to look at what it looks like to accept Jesus. Can you imagine when they fire up the CGI and we see that, that light enter into us? And it penetrates every vessel, every cell, the bone marrow. It flows through our veins. We are completely filled top to bottom with that Holy Spirit. It becomes part of us. But for many of us, that is not what the reality is. Yes, we might accept Jesus, but what we do is we put him in a little box and we, we storm in there amongst our organs. He's in that little box just over there next to the pancreas. And that's all we have is just that, that little bit. And the light is blocked out by the cage that we put him in. You know, we expect God to just do everything automatically without us having any kind of experience in it whatsoever. We feel that God is controlling us. And that's why so many people don't want to accept Jesus. They won't want to turn to God because they think they are being controlled by him. But you know, it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. God gives us free will. If we don't want to go to him, we don't want to turn to him, he does not make us. He does not make us worship him. He does not make us do anything. All the choices are ours. He's there for us. He is our heavenly father. So think about it like this. When you're a child, parents, 
What happens when your child needs something? They come running to you. And they communicate with you what that problem is. And we do everything in our power to resolve that issue. Either by providing them with what they need. They're hungry, we give them food. They're dirty, we clean them. They need entertainment, we entertain them. We show them love and affection. We play with them. We teach them. We teach them. Sometimes we discipline them. We tell them, no, you cannot play with that. That's dangerous. That's not the kind of thing you need to be doing. That's not the proper way for you to act. And it's supposed to work the same way with God. When we need him, and see, there's our first breakdown right there. First breakdown is when we need him. Now, that is the question. When do we need him? Now, for many of us, we think it's that time of declaration when we need that favor. When we've done everything that we need to do, we've done in our own power, and now we have no other solution, so we're going to turn to God. When we have no other solution. But that's not the case. When we need God is each and every day. Each and every moment. It shouldn't be when we wake up, what am I going to do today? It should be, God, what should I be doing today? How do we deal with these situations? Not how should I be able to deal with this situation. It should be how can we deal with this situation? How can you see me through it? What do you have for me? And we have to be persistent with it. Because not every time are we going to get that direct answer that we're looking for. Not all the time we're going to have that instant prayer fix. God tells us over and over again that we are to wait upon him. See, our sense of time and God's sense of time is two very, very different things. You know, God gave us the sun and the moon to separate the day and the night with purpose. Because we need to be able to to rest, to sleep. Our bodies require it. And we have to have that cue to be able to know when it's time to stop, when it's time to rest. And then God gave us the seasons. He divided those things up. Because each season has purpose. There's Time when the the livestock needs to be tended. There's times when the crops need to be planted and harvested. And that rests with the seasons. And then, of course, God gave us the example that we need to have six days to do what we need to do. And that seventh day, we need to rest. We need to take a break. We need to stop. 
We need to reflect on ourselves, what we have done, and most importantly, reflect upon him. But what he didn't do is, he didn't create this time of minute by minute, second by second. How many times are we looking at the clock? I saw a sign in the store one day and it said that you never ever have to worry about this clock being stolen because the employees are constantly watching it. And that's because that many times we're doing tasks that we don't enjoy and we're just waiting for them to be over with. Many times we're just killing time, we say, because we have gaps in our schedule and we just have to wait for the next thing to come along. We run from minute to minute. Alarms, bells, calendars, everything directing what we should do. And yes, Time is a very important commodity, and it's not something that we should squander away. It's not something that we should waste. It's not something that we should take for granted, because we never know when that bank is going to be depleted. But it also shouldn't keep us from our connection with God. How many people use the excuse that I don't go to the church because I simply don't have the time. I don't read my Bible because I simply don't have the time. And we have all these other things that we put in front of it. But all these other things that we put in front of God is not going to help us ahead in this life. And it's certainly not going to help us ahead in the next life. Remember, folks, this is all temporary. For God, one day is, is nothing. He's limitless. He is eternal. And he has perfect timing. Jesus didn't show up on earth when he did because it was random. It was for precision. There's so many things for us to gain through waiting upon the Lord. How many things that trouble us are from this world? This, this building that we're in today, it can be very troublesome sometimes. It's got some age to it now. The, uh, at the time that it was constructed, many of the people that helped pull it together weren't professionals. They were what they had. So oftentimes things fail and have to be replaced and repaired. 
And it seems like as soon as you get one thing done, another one pops up. That's things of, of the world. It's stuff. We are finding now that anyone that's got some age to them, that the products that we get today are nowhere near the quality of what we had in the past. That when your parents or grandparents, when they bought a washing machine or a refrigerator, that those things lasted a long, long time. That it wasn't unusual for someone to have the same appliance for their entire lifetime. But nowadays, we rely more and more on these things and technology. Folks, we went from having a box in our kitchen that we stuck a block of ice in the bottom and it kept our food cold. And now that same device, all these years later, has touchscreens, TV, Bluetooth, and wireless technologies. And as a result, they cause much Frustrations. God gives us simple instructions. Love one another. Love Him. If we do those things, everything else kind of works itself out. We tend to want to overcomplicate things. The more complicated something is, the more likely it's going to fail. The more moving parts, the more things to go wrong. And all we really want to do is keep our food cold. Why do we need all this extra? But then we want to get frustrated and we want to blame God when things go bad. had a washing machine and it's been, been around for a while we probably got 10 good years out of it and in today's standards that's probably above and beyond it was just outside its warranty so that's about right and uh so we thought that the best course of action would be to replace it with a brand new one and when we did that the first one was dead on arrival. So we swapped that out and went through all that effort of, of doing that to get another one. And what do we do? We have another problem. And they have to come out and fix it. And then we have another problem. And they have to come out 
and fix it. And then we have a, another problem, and they have to come out and fix it. So it gets to the point where they don't want to come out and fix it anymore because they don't want to admit that they have a substandard product that they'd rather blame it on something else. To the point that I finally went and bought a used, older machine that does the job. And see, it's real, real easy because we have all this stuff that we have, and, and as one thing breaks upon the other, we want to say, oh, why, why, God, why is all this happening to me? But if we look at it a little differently, we can find how the world has infiltrated, how the, the world and our choices, because so we go in and we want the the biggest and the best, and we listen to the salespeople and they tell us about all these new features and how it's going to change our lives, when all we really want is just to have the basics. God wants us to have the basics. He wants us to have the fundamentals. And it goes back to the opening. That happiness... You know, we all have a different picture of happiness. We think that different things is going to bring us happiness. If I only had more money, if I only had a better job, if I only had a significant other, if I only had fill in the blank. And you might be correct. That might bring you temporarily happiness. But it's not going to change the scope of life. As I said in the beginning, no matter who we are, what our status is, race, gender, all those things aside, we're all going to have some sort of problems. And we only see what people want us to see. We have all these people that we, we look up to, celebrities, athletes. But you know, they only come on camera we only see their photos after they've been professionally made up. The, the fashion people come in, they pick out an outfit. The makeup artists come in and do the makeup. The hair people come in and do the hair. Everything is scripted. You know, we have so much reality TV, and the only thing common about reality TV is that nothing's real. It's made to say certain things, to have a certain feeling about it. Everything is scripted because they want to paint a certain image. And we don't see what's going on in the background. You know, when someone commits suicide and people are talking about that person, one of the most common things they say is, I didn't know anything was wrong. That was a surprise. I did not see that coming. And it's because we only show people what we want them to see. So if you're comparing your life to the life of others, if you're trying to live up to someone's standards, remember that you're only seeing a very small portion of it. You're not seeing what goes on behind door, dark, closed doors. You're not seeing what goes on when the lights go off. You're not seeing what happens when the cameras are turned off. You're only seeing 
what they want you to see. When something comes out, when a scandal comes out, and people are like, I'm so shocked, I've never seen that coming. Because people only see what they want you to see. God has purpose. And we may think that this is cruel and unusual punishment, that God should just sweep down and take care of all these situations. And in reality, He is trying to to teach us things. Happiness. Being able to deal with problems. And having your needs met. Peace. And a peace that only God can provide. We look at some of the examples that, that God has given us. We see when Paul was going through all of his difficulties. Where was he at? He was at peace. See Peter locked away? Where's he at? He's at peace. He's sleeping. He's taking the time to take a nap. Get some rest in. He knows God's got it. But we can't live with that kind of peace because we're constantly in a state of turmoil. And that's where Satan wants us to be. That's where the devil wants us to be. He wants us in that turmoil because if we can't be in two places at once, and he wants us to occupy that space, not occupy a space of, of happiness. He don't want us to have peace. He don't want us to have resolution. And see, when we're operating in fear and outside of faith, we can't allow God to work. You know, picture it like this. We're the, we're the little kid. God's there, but he's behind the door. He's in his room. So we have to go and we have to, we have to knock on that door. And every single time, that door's going to open, and he's going to say, come in. And he's going to say, what can I do you for? What do you need from me? How can I help you? And we can lay it all out for him. And we know that his answers are yes and amen, that he has a solution. One of my boys is really impulsive and really impatient. So he has to learn how to, to wait. Let's learn how to wait. So we have different things that we have him count. We have him set a timer. And we're no different than what he is when it comes to God. We want it right then. Right then. But we don't benefit that way. If we didn't have time to to build our faith, to really have to to cling to God, we're not going to build anything. And we're sure not going to appreciate it. If we get that instant gratification that we so desire, It'll be here and gone. It's like all of those things that we want that we think is going to bring us happiness. We, we, we look at it and we want it and we study about it. But then in reality, when we get it, 
and it's in our hands, it's not as big as we've put it up in our minds. And there's nothing of this world, nothing man-made, no amount of money, no amount of status, can replace what God can do for us. Why don't we give it a try? You know, here's the thing. We will go along with every kind of fad. We'll try a new product. We'll take the new diet pill. We got all these people now that's running around and injecting themselves with diabetes medication so they can lose weight. And I have to wonder what the long-term effects of that is. But yet, we have God that's given us everything that we need to know. And he is absolutely just ecstatic, waiting for us to turn to him and allowing him to be our source, him to take care of our needs, and we won't try it. Talked a little bit about last week, but we have our insecurities. Is that it? Are we, are we afraid that we're going to be let down? Or are we afraid about others, how others are going to see us? Do we not trust ourselves enough? Do we think we're going to look foolish? What is it? Just, there's your assignment for this week. Just think about what it is that keeps us from truly giving God a try. To put, go all in. Just go all in and give it a try. What keeps us from doing that?